0: Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of The Insider, brought to you just for a change by Vanishing Inc. Today, we're lucky enough to have on the line all the way from that there Los Angeles, Mike, and now I've got to look at my phonetic pronunciation, even though you just told me, Mike Peshoda. Mike, how are you this morning? I'm very good. How are you doing? I am Peachy. Thank you for doing this first thing in the morning for you. I realise you're up because you've got kids, but nevertheless. Oh, that's thank... right.
1: Yeah, you're you're eight hours ahead of me, right? Yeah. Well, how's my day gonna turn out? Is it all right? It's gonna be great. There's <laughs> oh, gonna good. be there's gonna be a
0: card that you find on the sidewalk that might be the five of clubs. Awesome. <laughs> Just throwing that out there. The show's really short. So we we got thirty minutes. What's your origin story? You have seventeen seconds. <laughs> My origin story.
1: Um, I was born magic. Ah, okay. uh, an elf kissed me on the head and then that was it.
0: You make drinks and do card tricks. Why do you think you were attracted to bar magic? What's special about that for you?
1: Well, since I was a teenager also, I've been into that. I'm from Colorado, so I saw Eric Mead mm-hmm. and Doc Eason. Good start. Yeah. Yeah, it's, If you're, if you're going to get into bar magic. Those are two good guys to start uh-huh. with. But then I saw some footage of Tom Molica And that, for me, it just seems like the most logical way to do close-up magic. Like, there's already a board between us. It's a conversational thing. These people are here for fun. It's how close-up magic started, really. Sure. And then I, Molica was really the one for me and I just thought, that's the greatest magician I've ever seen. Like, he's just, I want to do that. What was it? What was it? That, do you remember anything specific that he was doing,
0: or just the general thing?
1: His Tom Foolery act, yeah. Okay. I mean, he's doing the 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 uh, the apple and the you know mm-hmm. the whole thing in the mouth and the cigarettes. And it's not. It was never the magic. Like I never looked at Tom and went, "I want to do that stuff." I just want to make people feel like that. Yeah. Uh, I want to make people feel the way that Tom Mulcahy made me feel, and then. Uh, Eric uh, was another one that I uh, early on that I just like, man, that guy's. I liked his style a lot, and he was very different. Very different from other. He showed me the range that oh, it doesn't. You don't have to be this comedian guy, or you don't have to be that type of performer. There's a big range that you could play with here, and um, so I, that was the initial attraction. And when I first moved to Los Angeles 16 years ago, my my to become a magician, and I moved here. Just to be near the Magic Castle, not to sure. work there, just to be a member. But my initial thought was, I'm going to go get a bartending job, and become a bar magician. That's what I want to do. And when I got here, I realized a bartending job is very hard to come by okay. because it's what all the actors want oh, right. because it leaves their days open for auditions. Sure, sure, sure. And it's good, and it's good money, you know. So I had no experience; I had never bartended before. So I, uh, I, I kind of just quickly gave up on it. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I just basically gave up on that. I, I was going to go to bartending school, and then I thought I would just not tell them I did that and say instead I had worked as a bartender. Mm-hmm. And but I just never did. And then I was working at the Castle uh, as one of the hosts as a right. day job. I, I was doing stand up comedy at the time too, and well, I was working as a one of the managers there, and then. I stopped doing stand-up, and I really, again, started focusing on magic. I realized that that's that's what it is for me. Magic is where I belong, and it's what I want to do. And so I started trying to sell myself on that job there uh, with the castle, and it took me years talking to different people and and to make it happen, because there hadn't been a resident bar magician there in over 40 years. Right. And this is downstairs in the Hat and Hair that you do the stuff. Exactly. Right. And so it took me quite a while to get in that spot. And then it'll be seven years in September that I've been down there. And they just hired uh, a couple other bar magicians to work the days that I'm not there. So it's been pretty popular. You know, when I started, that bar was only open Fridays and Saturdays. Mm. And it was the punishment bar. Like if a bartender was late or, you know, (laughs) that's the bar they had to work because there was just no money there. So I said, that's the only bar I want. It's such a wasted space. and. You know, and then so I turned it around. Then for years now, it's been four days a week. I do it Thursday through Sunday, unless I'm out doing private shows. And then now, like I said, they just hired a couple other people to do fill-ins for me and for Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. So, how important do you think it is for your gig at the
0: castle because you bartend and do tricks? You're not doing a tandem thing, are you? Uh, no. Yeah, it's just me. So, how important do you think it is to GTFM?
1: Well in that place a little bit less like if i don't do Hibahaba style of bar magic right there's two different types of things as far as i'm concerned and when i got in there i, I wasn't sure how i was going to handle it i wasn't sure how how to do it and when i first started i did it a little bit more like hiba and that i would come in people would, i would start doing a trick and then you know i'd get some drinks for people and then i'd finish mm-hmm. the trick but that type of magic is designed to keep people sitting at the bar for four or five hours and giving you their money. Right. That's what it is. That's that's the GTFM, right? I, I, I want your money. I want you to sit at this mm-hmm. bar for hours drinking and tipping. Sure. But that's not what I want at the castle because there's five bars there and there's other uh-huh. shows they have to see. And so I'm best if I bring in a crowd, we shut the doors, and then I do a round of drinks for everybody. As soon as everybody's got their drinks, I change the lighting, I shut off the music, and we do a show, and I do, you know, 20 minutes. And then they leave, we fill up the room again, and I do it all over again, and I do that six to 10 times a night, four nights a week. So you do thousands of performances
0: at yeah, your residency I think, there? Yeah, I think
1: I'm probably close to about 10,000 shows. Okay, so talk to us
0: about what repetition and flight time have done for your work.
1: Well, it's everything. That's, that's the real secret to magic. There's a secret to magic, and magicians don't want to admit it. But it's not double lifts, and it's not methods, because those things really don't matter. Um, it's being in front of an audience. That's the secret. When you're comfortable, Uh, now I can react in real time. Because I don't, I don't, I'm not nervous that these people are looking at me. I'm not, I know, I know this material so well that even if I'm, last night, I got into a thing on my opener that I've done thousands and thousands of times. And I've made mistakes on it over the years. Mm. But last night I found myself in a really bad position. And it was an important show. And I had some people in there that I, I wanted to impress. Right. And I realized as I was going into it that the wrong card was loaded in the thing. Okay. And so I had to know my material so well that now, as I'm saying my whole spiel and trying to build this all up, and I'm like, in my mind, am I thinking, maybe I stop building it up. Don't make a big deal out of it. Okay. okay. <laughs> Move on. Yeah. But I'm like, no, build it up. Build it up, and the whole time I'm doing that is I'm going through methods in my head. How do I fix this situation now? How do I switch this card? When is the best moment to switch this card? Uh, uh, anyway, it worked. It worked out. It all seemed to be very tight at the end, and in my mind, I was going, "Whoo!" <laughs> you know, if, if if I hadn't done that thousands of times in that position, it would have been one of those shows where it just didn't work. Right. Has, has a
0: situation like that ever happened where you've improved a trick through the improvisation when you think something's gone wrong?
1: Um, yeah, certainly with lines and things like that. If it's a business to to buy myself some time. Yeah, yeah. And things like that, for sure. But I have that bar... I mean, that that particular thing, because what it, my opener, what it is, is I set a card box out on the table and I have this... I, I say some... Cool things, and I have a card built, and I, I build this up. It's this whole build-up thing, and then you know I talk if if the if that King of Spades were the top card of this deck right now, that'd be a good trick. Uh-huh. But then maybe you'd say, uh, maybe the King of Spades was on top, and he got lucky, uh-huh. you know. But this isn't the Luck Castle, That's <laughs> you know? and then I you know maybe if I spread the deck and it was reversed in the deck, there was just one card reversed, and it was the King of Spades. That'd be good, but. Then maybe you'd say I do sleight of hand, and I don't. I don't want this to be so simple for you. So that's not why. And I shake the box, and there's one card in there, and then I dump it out, and then we open it up very fairly, and it's their card that they just named. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so you know normally that's a thing, but last night it just <laughs> went awry. And but but it's when it's your material and things methods that you've designed and you've come up with, and you've done thousands of times. There's a bit of comfort in in knowing that this isn't the end of the world right. if it doesn't work. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm comfortable in front of the audience enough that if this happens at the beginning, I'll get you back. Right. You know, the flop sweat's not going to start until the second thing goes <laughs> wrong. <or> the, <laughs> you know, but hopefully that doesn't
0: happen anymore. I hope so. So, if anyone's listening to this that's a, a younger magician, and and we've talked a lot on this show about flight time, where. They're not all going to be able to get gigs at the castle. What advice would you no, give? Not. What, what
1: advice would you give to them? Well, my original thing: I you do magic everywhere, right? You do magic for free. You take any gig that you can get. And you know, you take the fifty dollars shows, the hundred dollars shows. The bad audiences are the ones that teach you the lessons. Mm. Yeah, the the expensive shows; those people maybe are are more willing audiences, or than than your friends in high school cafeteria. Sure, sure, <laughs> you know? sure, but those are the ones that are going to teach you the chops that you need. Um but you do every show that you can do. I used to I used to uh, I had put on a suit and go to a wedding reception of people I didn't know at a hotel and just start walking around <laughs> and doing magic. So the wedding crashes <laughs> but rather than drinking right. the free booze and eating the food right. you're just I'm working. working. And nobody absolutely <laughs> <laughs> thinking <laughs> You just do it yourself. I don't ask for a paycheck at sure. the end. I avoid the wedding party altogether. You know, but you you stand outside that door and do it. Yeah, I mean, yeah, there's yeah, yeah. there's you find the places and you do as much magic as you can, especially early on. That's that's it. It's just being up in front of people. Sure, um, but when you have a regular thing, that that was invaluable to me. Even okay. through all of that, until I went to the castle and I, I did that. Sure. You know, it that took my magic up, of course, to a new level. Your presentations are very powerful but quite uh, lean. How do you evolve what your script is during tricks? Oh, the script usually dictates the effect for me. I, I come up with an idea that I want to share, and then that's that's I come up with the effect to match that Ah. typically sometimes I have tricks and then I come up with the pattern for the trick so it does go both ways but typically for me I say what is this show about Uh and what do I want to say to you how do I want you to feel when you leave here and how now what's the best way to say that and then what effect goes with that to say that the effects are always secondary for me that's interesting. uh, Well, not all. Every once in a while I come across an effect or I come up with an idea and a thing and then I don't know what to say about it. And so I have a list of things, of topics I want to talk about that I've yet to be able to put effects to. Oh. And I have a list of, a shorter list of uh, some effects that I'd like to do, but I just don't know what to say.
0: And this is during the course of the 20 minutes while they closed the door and downstairs in the Hat and Hat. You're doing, oh, no, you're no, doing no. a story for life. that, or is this for your part? <laughs> this is life in oh, general. Oh, no, that's for
1: all no, That's yeah, for everything. No, yeah, for both of those things. And the, the bar magic is a little bit different. I do things in the bar magic that I don't do when I do stand-up magic.
0: Sure, yeah, we're going to come on to um, that.
1: Or if I'm doing a formal close-up show, it might be a little bit different than the bar magic. Also, at the bar, I'll do some flourishes, but I don't do that ever in the stand-up act. Right, you know, but the bar magician, I'm a bartender, and so I need to establish myself early on. Sure. And so early on, I do Just hit them. You know, I shoot cards from hand to hand, right. or I, you know, I do some pretty fans as I'm talking, and then then that stops. Sure. But it happens real early on because I'm establishing that, oh, this guy's worth stopping to see. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. need yeah. to go up to these other shows. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But in my stand up, I don't do that. So there are different things. But yes, in the bar sets, I have now I have different sets okay that i do and i like to mix them up and i try to always work on something new so every week uh or two three four weeks i'll work on a piece i'll come up with a new idea and then i'm like well for the next two or three weeks i'm gonna do this as many times as i can and see how it is and then i'll re go over it and then change things and then bring it back and try it again and that's how i develop close-up material sure and i have that space to do that and so i'm very very lucky for that but i also have my set so if you know a big celebrity walks in <laughs> i may not be doing the new material in that show i just have a 20 minute set and then that's been written thing and i, I change it from time to time you right know. Um, I'm I'm getting ready to change it all right now. Actually, I'm just because I'm getting bored. You mentioned it, and uh, honest to goodness, I can take a screenshot
0: of my questions. But the next question is: You perform for a lot of celebrities. Do you yes. handle that any differently? Is there no. are there any cool stories?
1: Oh, uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's uh, that is an interesting thing, and I, I don't get s- too starstruck. Uh, at least not very often. And I, I've been very fortunate in that. And the castle has allowed that. Like, I, I've met a lot of these people at the castle. And then they have me to their homes right. or to their parties. And then I meet other celebrities there. And it's just kind of grown from that. And so I, I do get to, to do a lot of their birthday parties and things like that. And um, But at the castle, it's a regular thing because uh, it's Hollywood. Yeah, And yeah, there's no photo policy. And so they come. It's a safe and, space. Um, right? Uh, so, uh, let's see, I had, here's a interesting story, I had, mm, miss, uh-huh. maybe, you know what, maybe I shouldn't say names. <laughs> <laughs> it's somebody from a metal band who wears makeup. <laughs> That's right. Uh, <laughs> his wife, uh, she, I believe is her name, and they had their kids, I believe a son and a daughter and their significant others okay. with them, and then we closed off the bar and that was it. Oh wow. And I was doing a show for them and and uh he sh- puts her leg up on the chair <laughs> and she looks at Nimitz Nietzsche and she says, Are we gonna take him home tonight? <laughs> and Miss Nishman said, Yeah, I think so. <laughs> and her son goes, Mom! <laughs> <laughs>
0: That takes embarrassing dad to a new level, or embarrassing mom. Uh, down to a to new, a new level, level in front
1: of your kids. Wow. And then, in, and what am I going to say? No chance you're going to do that
0: tonight. <laughs> okay, I, I, I don't know where to go from there. Wow, <laughs> that, that, blimey.
1: I'm, that was that's an interesting. Yeah, that is, story. That is <laughs> an that's, interesting. But I've had story. some, I've had some good ones, and I've, you know, I've, I've had. Like I said, I don't get start-struck too easy, but uh, for me, uh, meeting people like uh, Stephen Hawking, and I did—I got to do a show of Kip Thorne also. Uh. Uh, I time-traveled with Kip Thorne. <laughs> cool. It was awesome. Uh, I time-traveled with Matt Smith from Doctor Who. Uh-huh. Yeah, these <laughs> from my, my, my neck of the woods. <laughs> yeah. But I, I've had some, some ones that for me, like... You know, I told Ozzy Osbourne, I'm like, I wish I could tell my 16 year old self, uh, or my 13 year old self, who got detention for carving your name in his desk. <laughs> One day. <laughs> <laughs> this was happening right now, you know. But I, it's, it's, it's neat and some. But they're just people, and that's what I've come to learn is they're just other people. Sure. And they, they like to be entertained too, and so it doesn't, uh, doesn't get me too often, but I like it. Wow, absolutely. It's a nice market.
0: How. Do you decide the sequences in your work? How do you determine opener versus closer versus middle piece?
1: Well, I, you know, the, the opener, there's there's some... I used to be real into the... You have to... This has to be flashy. You have to come out and do something within, you know, 20 seconds that really catches their eye. Uh-huh. And But that's not my kind of magic, and so that's not what I do. I, I come out and I talk, and... It takes me a little while to to do the very first thing, but I want it to be really powerful. A lot of times, like that, when I do at the bar, uh, th- a very common comment is, That's your opener <laughs> from layman. Oh. And that's what I want. I want that. I want them to go, Yeah, I want my opener to be what something that strong enough that other people could close a show. Oh. On. Or you could close a show. Sure, on it. sure. I could close a show on it. Sure. And then, of course, your closer also has to be that. The middle pieces are the ones where I'm going to tell you the story, okay. or I'm going to to break down whatever it is this show is about. And so, I guess the openers and the closers have to just kind of be the well, the anchors to that. That has to, you know, I, I'm going to set a, a expectation on that, and then the end has to kind of wrap it all together. Right. Right, or my general message of whatever it is my show was about. I mean, I don't mean it's preachy. I don't mean to, like, preach to people (laughs) or anything like that. But (laughs) in my mind, I have uh, what is this show about? What do I want them to feel? Mm -hmm. And so I just base it all on that. But, you know, the middle pieces are the longer ones, and then it's a roller coaster. You can't have a long story and then a long story, and then you can't do that. And not all tricks need stories either. That's just, of course, you know, some some magic just stands on its own. Absolutely, some of it is to just lead you towards other expectations and things, and then I could reverse those expectations on the next thing. So, those middle pieces just kind of dictate themselves, I think. Sure uh but the order of them you know uh, like i said you can't have story 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 people will get bored with that or it's, it sounds like a preachy thing so yeah yeah you you do some things that catch the eye and you do some then you you can slow down a little bit and then we can speed up a little bit and slow back down
0: sure you're smashing the AMA awards
1: um what what do they mean to you well i uh, i'm certainly honored by them and it it's it's a thing that i never it wasn't ever the goal i didn't go i'm just gonna go win a bunch of awards <laughs> right you know it was what it is i guess is its recognition from people and it feels good uh, who doesn't like that sure. um, it raised my prices okay and it and it justified it <laughs> yeah yeah uh, for people you know when it's on um, two-time close-up magician of the year and parlor magician of the year yeah. and then i give them a rate and then it's you know it helps with that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so as a uh, on a professional level, it, it means that um, it, it's just extra justification. On a personal level, it, it's touching, and uh, but I try not to. I, I try not to think about it. Like I, every show is. Uh, new show and i may fail I mean, right. like i i don't let it go to my head like I, that vote could have gone anyway i'm sure sure and it, maybe more of my friends voted than other i don't know yeah, yeah yeah i don't know how it came out that i won that thing they don't tell me okay so i don't maybe i won by one vote sure <laughs> sure know? just take I, it I man know. you got the extra fees yeah. it's all good I, my point is i don't dwell on it sure you know i have the wands and i think they're beautiful and i love them but it's you know i'm focused on my next show sure Now, that that, that
0: transition from winning the the close-up to the parlour, my moles tell me that the material that you're doing in the parlour show is wholly different from your close-up stuff. Um, Indeed it is. Let's talk about the parameters involved with this change. Are there limitations or new opportunities regarding what can or can't be doing relative to doing the close-up stuff?
1: Well, the close-up stuff, like I said, the close-up, room and the bar can be very similar Mm -hmm. for me. And so it was just something that I had all these opportunities to work on. But I I noticed a lot of the calls I were getting for shows were things that were like, Oh, it's 60 people or 70 people. We just, you have, you do a show. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, well, this material is just not working for that. Like it's my, it's designed for 20 people. Mm. And so it was always something that I wanted to, to do to, to move it into a bigger field and start doing more stand-up magic just as a professional so I could sell more shows. Right. But it's also ideas and things that really appeal to me, and I do... A lot more mentalism, like, I think right? a lot of people might call it mentalism. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I also... Uh, I'm magic, so I, I don't deny that. And I, I like I'm a I I don't see how those things don't go together. Mm. Now any of my skill sets that I have make me. Sure. And that's the things that I'm going to do. Like I so my 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 point is some mentalists might go, Oh, but that show's not real mentalism. Like he's that's a magic trick you did in the middle. <laughs> But I don't care about that at all. I don't care what your definition of a magic show is. I'm this guy, and these are the things that I want to talk to you about tonight. Right. And so most of it is mentalism, I would say. But that's the things that I'm interested into, and that's the type of stuff that I like to do outside of just card drink.
0: Sure. Have there been any unexpected aspects to the transition from close-up to, to stage and parlor that you found?
1: How much that scripting and the parlor and how sharing bigger ideas has affected my close-up magic? Ah, um, it left me less satisfied with doing certain things in close-up, and so uh, uh, trying to to make that a little. Uh, Match better. I, I don't know how to say this. Um, I, I'd like the philosophy uh, of what I'm trying to say in my parlour to, to now show in my close-up. Yeah, 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 well, yeah, so. yeah,
0: yeah. No, that makes perfect sense. That makes perfect sense. It seems that recently the castle's kind of been agreed a greeting brand. It feels recently that the castle's <laughs> been kind of a breeding ground for a new wave of great magicians. Lovick, Hughes, Delgadio, you. What's happened? Why? It seems like there's a rebirth of the cool happening.
1: Yeah, well, I, I don't know why that's happening. I think magic is just on that upturn in general. Right. Um, you know, D- Delgardio and I came out here together. Uh-huh. We moved out here together to LA from Colorado. And he's one of my dearest friends for 20 plus years. He was the best man at my wedding. Right. Um, and when we got here, he introduced me to Lovick and Derek Hughes and Zabrecki and and all these guys, and they were just, uh, you know what? I just think it was the right place at the right time. Okay. It was just a perfect. So these these interesting personalities all came together and 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 started hanging out in one place and some of them worked together some of them worked on their own and then you get cool things it just all happened at once it was just a a perfect storm of cool guys i think i don't know um talking of
0: incredibly exciting things happening where else is better than london in january and you're coming over for the session. The perfect <laughs> oh, time of year wait. to visit. Um, and then going with the rest of the Vanishing Ink crew, hot-footing it to Ohio to uh, Magi Fest. What can people expect yes. to see from
1: you? Well, I think they're doing something special at both of these conventions in that this is not going to be my parlor magic or formal close-up magic. What I'm going to do there is bar magic. And as far as I know, they're building me a bar. And I'm going to be doing ongoing shows as if it were like at the castle. You know, where I do multiple shows throughout the evening. and We fill up the room and do that. I, I don't know exactly how they're going to work it out, but that's my understanding. I have heard that uh, rumor. Which is extremely exciting. Um, to me, I, I love to be able to share that with people. I've only ever had one other convention asked me to do that and then when i showed up it was just a folding table <laughs> not even a tablecloth well i, I at least at least <laughs> and i went well this is not bar magic uh so i i talked to uh, angie and josh about it and so i'm feeling pretty confident that this is going to be something really exciting
0: so you're going to mix it up for in terms of material because you're working to an audience of magicians or are you just going to do the stuff that you know kills every week at the hat and hat
1: um, I we'll see. I might okay. do a little bit of both things. Yeah, I, I you know the we'll
0: see. Oh, exciting. We'll There's a see. tease yeah, for yeah. you.
1: Yeah. I might I, they may be different. I might may, do different shows. Oh,
0: crikey. I'll have to just follow you around <laughs> all evening. Okay, four quick fire questions to finish. I know we've gone over. Yeah, no problem. What's your favorite movie? Oh Yeah, I know, right? Uh, no. Man, the big Lebowski. Okay, so I'll be buying you white Russians at the session. And you'll be performing in a dressing gown. Wonderful. Uh,
1: pizza topping. Uh, people are going to hate me, but I like uh, pepperoni and pineapple. Oh, I know everyone hates it. You, you know, I hated it. I thought pineapple was gross on pizza until I tried it, and then I realized it's wonderful. You're all crazy. Okay, <laughs> maybe, maybe I'll try. Um, your favorite
0: person that makes music. Or group, or composer, or band, or my dad. Oh, that's delicious. How lovely. Um, finally, who would you rather fight: a hundred tiny Joshua's or one massive Andy? Oh, yeah. Um, I, I come in with the hard-hitting questions, Mike. <laughs> I'm going to go with one massive Andy. I think. Okay. Well, let's see. Well, let's see what happens at the session. <laughs>
1: <laughs> for, for no reason in particular except i think i just have a better I, chance of dodging of Andy. <laughs> i've seen him in that balloon and i don't know yeah, <laughs>
0: you know what i mean mike thank you so much for taking time out of your morning to to speak to us i really appreciate you answering the questions oh, go wrangle your kids um uh, thank you so much for your time i look forward to seeing you in january i look forward to it too thank you so much